0: wings listen up today's run is vitally important to our cause set your frequencies to dice time a star wars legion podcast and part of the legion academy collective your lead wing captain today will be ben gentron and your support ship leader will be paul watson let's show them what we're made of rebels Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dice Time. I'm Ben Jetrin, and there's no Paul Watson. I don't know why he didn't decide to uh, to come to this call, but uh, he's actually out on the bridge right now. We have our own automated pilot. I don't know why he can't uh, take a few minutes to come back and talk. He, he's, you know, don't let the the ship fly itself. We crashed eight times last time. He's a Little, little too overcautious, if you ask me. I'm gonna be. Uh, uh, I'm here with you right now for the uh, first half of this. Episode and then we'll go. Ta- we'll uh, we'll go chat with Paul. You know he's probably lonely up there in the bridge. Wookiees need friends too. So I've actually got somebody with me here on call. Good long time buddy of mine, Josh. Uh, we recently uh, went under underwent a special operation of our own. Uh, he's a he's a mercenary. Rolls with a uh, rolls with a group of clones. And they uh, they get some they get some pretty good jobs done and get they they get their bank. Hey Josh, if I'm uh, if you if you're getting my signal, how you doing?
1: Uh, I'm doing all right.
0: Are you uh you and your boys all healed up from uh from our operation?
1: Yeah, I got to work with a group of uh arc boys this time.
0: Ah, very nice. So they uh they held themselves pretty well. I take it.
1: Yeah, they're like a small, tight knit, efficient little family. Oh, that's perfect. They're
0: all brothers, after all. I guess that makes sense. Well, speaking of tight-knit families, uh, despite how long you and I have known each other, Josh, I'm I'm honestly really surprised that after this long of Dice Time, this is your actually your first appearance on the show,
2: <laughs> yeah. at least on the
0: podcast. Because uh, if anyone is familiar with the, uh, the video Dice Time episodes that go up, the battle reports, those uh, narrative episodes, those are... Uh, Josh and I so I mean you're we're, we're finally sitting down and, and chatting as opposed to just uh, just throwing dice at each other and letting Vader stomp me in literally every video we've ever done so we're here to talk about special operations today so uh, obviously it made the most sense because Josh both you and I played in our special operations event that I hosted in Muncie um, but we also do all the narrative play together we've done we've done like half if not most of the scenarios that are already out. So, and and we've played those together, so uh I guess just give me a little bit of insight into what you think about uh narrative play in general. Uh like, you know, I'm I've I've said on the show a million times, I'm a big narrative person. I love making stories even when I'm just playing, you know, a normal or or even a competitive game. I'm still looking for little ways that I can make some kind of story out of what's going on. Um, what are your thoughts? Like, what do you what do you think about narrative play? Uh,
1: narrative play is pretty nice. It's it can be a nice reprieve from your usual just standard games, whether it be skirmish or regular. But yeah, I'm I fall into that same boat. Uh, being a pretty much a, a forever DM at this point, I love <laughs> making stories and pretty much a, a shared experience between people. So having that in tabletop format and not having to homebrew it with a uh, lesion is pretty nice.
0: Yeah, this this did feel like when we were playing it, this did feel very much like a, uh, a little bit almost like some kind of like D&D kind of style thing because everybody is their own hero. Um, I recommended this and Josh, you could tell me if you would do the same, but I usually it's like I would recommend this to anybody who took their time while they were getting their Legion stuff painted, and they put all that extra love and character into, like, one specific squad. You know, and you're, like, painting your clones, and you're like, oh, you know what? This clone, oh, he's got this name, and oh, he's got this guy's got these special markings, and oh, he earned his name, and stuff like that. Or maybe you, like, found, like, maybe when you're playing, you're like, oh, when I get these clones on the objective, they always hold it, so I gave them some extra paint, and they got some character, because I've played with them so long. This is like the game mode that you should play. Because uh I took some of my characters and some of my models that I've put all this love and all this character into and it was so much fun to bring those to life on the uh on on the tabletop. I had a few
1: instances like that uh during special operations uh that one uh clone who Pretty much held an entire hallway by himself for oh yeah, like three turns uh, that guy's ironsides now, so <laughs> so what was your take on
0: you know like special operations in general like what was your what was your what was your first impression
1: uh in general uh yeah you'll you'll get the immediate comparison to uh something like kill team uh where you have each guy's their own guy, they do a little bit more than an individual unit in the regular modes and that brings a lot of uh, alternative playstyle to how that unit would normally perform big reason why i eventually settled on using the arc trooper because while i did find my own synergy with the regular uh, clone trooper squad the arc troopers i was like When am I going to ever use ARC Troopers outside of this? So, (laughs) Ouch. Poor ARCs. Yeah, I I haven't gotten a lot of practice in regular games with ARCs. And until that time comes, I'll mainly get to use them in uh, Special Forces. So they'll see some table time while I cook up a, a list that fits my play style in regular modes while using ARC Troopers. So, I know we've, we, we've talked about it a
0: little bit before on the show, of like, what Special Operations was, and I think we mostly highlighted it last time. But I guess I'll give a real quick, brief introduction if you this is your first time listening to what Special Operations is. So, this was an alternate game mode that AMG released uh, for Star Wars Legion. Uh, they released it literally, like, a day, or they announced it, I should say, a day after Shatterpoint pre-orders went up. So it was kind of weird because both of those Shatterpoint and Le- Special Operations kind of fill the same itch, I guess you could say, for some people. I, not everyone's going to agree with that. But this was much more focused down s- squad level skirmishes, not uh, 500 points of skirmish. This is like, if one of your squads was worth 500 points, more or less... That that's what this game mode would be. So you're basically fighting one squad versus one squad and nobody, and and they're all different activations. They're not all like one activation. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to dive through like all the different changes and everything that there are. I would highly recommend you go check out the, uh, the documents that they have on AMV's website. If they still have them up as of time of recording, because I believe during March, they're going to be down again so that they can come back and do a second wave of beta in, April, I want to. I, I think that's right. So, uh, as of right now, the the version of Special Operations we have is 1.0. That uh, is, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going to call it Beta 1.0 though because it's still in beta. But um, we decided to get a whole group together and uh, do a whole bunch of tests at the uh, at the Muncie Game Store where we do our monthly events. We've gone through each of the different game modes and we have played all of them at least once. So I thought maybe we could at least quickly go through uh, the game modes and what we thought of those. So Josh, you'll have to help me out there because I've only seen/slash played uh, two of them, two of the two of the four. So you'll have to help me out on the other two. But um, there are, were eight teams that you could uh, that you could choose from for your squad. So there were two for each main faction. There was no Shadow Col- Shadow Collective Squadron. Sorry to say, but. For the clones, there was the ARC Trooper Squad and the Clone Trooper Squad. So the ARC Trooper Squad was an ARC Captain, two ARC Troopers, two Jetpack ARC Troopers, and then the ARC Sniper. Uh, the Clone Troopers had a Clone Commander, three normal clones, a Z6 clone, a Medic clone, and an R4 Astromech, which was pretty cool. Uh, you and I, Josh, when we did our game, those were the two squads we used, so we'll talk about that when we get to it. Um, for the CIS, there was the Invasion Force, which is attack droid, five B1s, uh B1 heavy with the E5C, two super battle droids and a worker droid. And then there was the much cooler, way sleeker droid commando squad, which was just all droid commandos and some Magna Guard. Uh, you have the Empire, which is an officer and some stormtroopers, a heavy stormtrooper, some death troopers and a medic. And then the ISF. With the Imperial Special Forces mixed with some Scout Troopers and an Astromech, which I think was supposed to be some kind of other probe or something, cause the stat card for it didn't match up with an Astromech. It, it was more for an ID-10, so I think that was a yeah. typo in the doc. And then for the Rebels, you had, you had the Rebel Squad and the Rebel Commando Squad. Uh, so there was the Captain with the regular Troopers, and some pathfinders and an R5. You're starting to see a pattern by now, I presume. And then we had a commando squad, which was the commando captain, three commandos, some heavies, and a Wookie. So you're, like I said, you're starting to see a pattern probably by now. There was a normal people squad and a special forces squad for each faction. So we definitely tested most, if not all of them, I believe. Well, we didn't get we didn't get to really try the rebels, unfortunately. I uh I didn't get to try them too much. But uh, there are four game modes for this game mode. Uh, four objectives, I should say, for this game mode. So we'll quickly go through each of those. There was, there's no battle deck or anything right now uh, in this beta, so it was kind of just you and your opponent kind of agree to, you know, whatever game mode you want to play. So the first one on here is called Shifting Priorities, uh, where it's basically just uh, battle lines, more or less, of a deployment. And then there's three... Uh, little command modules in the center, uh, kind of in a diagonal line. So, uh, Josh, maybe you can walk us through what uh, what Shifting Priorities is as a game mode, and then maybe you could give us some insight as to the uh, the teams that were played, or the faction squads that were played, I should say, during that game.
1: Yeah. Uh, shifting Priorities was the first one I played, and I'm thankful that was the first one I played because it's the most straightforward you have three objectives at the beginning uh, of round two. You will roll to see which one is the priority, which will be worth two victory points. The other one's only worth one. It's pretty much just each guy that you have within three inches of that objective, you control it. Uh, it goes for the four rounds, so you got to be a little aggressive. But
0: that one, That's one thing we should point out, that the game, if you don't know... Standard game is six rounds. Skirmish is five rounds. Special operations is four rounds. So uh you only have four rounds to complete all the objectives and do all the things in this game. So you're only going to play four command cards, which there were special command cards for this game, if you didn't know that, too. So no normal command cards. There's all, all sorts of special ones. And there was even uh, loadout cards. Mm-hmm. Uh There was that there was that cool mechanic. I really liked the, the loadout cards. That was a that was a neat feature I liked. I hope they uh, hope they continue that and kind of maybe even build on it in some way. But so yeah, so shifting priorities. What were the squads that you guys uh, played during this game?
1: Uh, this is the one where I played the the standard clone trooper squad. Okay, and I played against the droid commando squad. And how did those how
0: did those do against each other? Was it pretty balanced? Did it feel like one was kind of because this is a game mode where like you're both doing the same objective, so it's not like and we we'll, we'll, we'll get to what i'm talking about later but it doesn't it's not like you guys are playing kind of different game styles you're both after the same thing you're both doing the same thing so how did yeah. the um so how did the two uh, squads interact you'd say
1: well the clone troopers had their typical clone synergy uh, and that's just for most of the rules in special operations uh Most of your rules will still function the same way as they do in the regular game. So clones can still share aim dodges and surges. Droids are still immune to suppression, but not panic. So they still had all of their synergy operating as it should. The leader of the squad had some extra synergy he could mess around with, like, he could do extra move actions after his activation with another guy that's within, I think, three or six inches of him. So they moved pretty well as a unit. And then the droid commandos, the way that they were played against me is you had two very scary Magna Guard bearing down on you at all times, while the commando droids kind of jockeyed for a good position in the background So while you were worried that these two beat sticks were running up on you, you still had to worry about everything that was going on in the in the background. Yeah. Yeah. To cut a a long recap short, it came down to me bullying one of the Magna Guards off of an objective. Otherwise it would have gone to a tie and then there's like a whole bunch of different like ways to settle a tie. There's like Mm, four stages of Okay. Does this, if not, go to this step for solving ties?
0: So uh, shifting priorities, good, bad, like as far well, as the, as far as they go.
1: That, that's that's a good yeah. Good, it's a good solid game mode to play. Good. All right. Moving on. The
0: next one I actually want to talk about is another one that you have experience with is the codes. Uh, a crack squad of a crack squad has stolen the codes to the vault and is attempting to get them back to command. They must make it to a transmitter with the code, but they have, they've, they've set up clever decoys. The defending team must find the correct code and prevent its transmission. So, uh, transmitters are placed, uh, around. The red player is the crack squad. The blue player is the defender. And you guys are jockeying for trying to find which we played a we played a similar game mode to this Josh with the uh these aren't the droids you're looking for
1: yeah would you would you compare that sort of similarly uh sorta of. it it was actually surprisingly streamlined compared to some of the other game types okay <laughs> but it, yeah, it was pretty much you you have your dudes you're the you're the blue player uh speaking from my perspective. And you get to assign these tokens to three of your guys. One of them is the the actual codes. And then you have two that are listed as decoys. And your job is to get the real codes to one of the three terminals and be in base contact with it, with your guy carrying the codes, by the end of round four. That's all you have to do to... No special them.
0: action or anything. Just get them in base-to-base.
1: Yeah, just get them base to base, and it also if you don't get there in the four turns, you lose. So it's one
0: of pretty, those uh, one of those cut and dry win or lose scenarios they they've been they've
1: been doing with their narrative stuff. Yeah, and so it was pretty straightforward. I didn't have to worry about too. Much. There were a few like special actions you could do. Like I think one of the actions you could like shuffle the tokens. Your models essentially oh. to try because the red player will have opportunities to look at your face-down tokens mm. and hit if they get it right or if they miss it. You can still just shuffle them around, and but that slows you down a little bit when you're trying. Okay, to it. I sense. felt like I had a pretty good list when going into that game type because. I, having the ARC Troopers, I had three guys with jetpacks, so they all had speed three move on a 36 by 36. Yeah, pack. <laughs> that is a, it's pretty good. <laughs> and so I think it did. I did complete the objective on round four. Well, OK, it, it goes to round four no matter what. Right. But I got to the objective on round four. Oh, OK, I see. Yeah, and the only critique I could really have on that game type, it wouldn't even be anything drastic, because there are three terminals. The red player gets two de- two deployments right next to two of the terminals, and maybe they could, like, just do two terminals, but... And maybe move them farther maybe, away. I don't know. It's a little bit of ground for a red player to try and cover all at once. Yeah. But Especially with so it's also bodies. a matter of if I tried to to faint in that way and go try and make it look like any three could be a viable thread, I would pretty much have two guys going to each terminal with my little six man list. Right. So it could also just depend, I guess, on the list that you would bring into that match type. Yeah, and that might be the case for some of these,
0: but yeah. So, I mean, but from what I heard from the codes, it seems
1: pretty straightforward as well. So, I mean, yeah. uh, you, if you uh, weren't going to play if you weren't going to play uh, shifting priorities, I would say the codes is like the, the next
0: notes. best. One. Well, maybe you're picking up a theme from uh, where, where I'm how I'm ranking these. Oh, who did you play against? And uh, you said you were playing the Arch Troopers, but who did you play against when you played your
1: codes game? I played against Imperial Special Forces. Uh, the ISF were plenty deadly. So was the scout sniper and then the scouts themselves. They, they felt like, yeah, these were the guys you're supposed to pretty much be your shield for your ISF. Cause they had, they have like range two and you know, they hit, they can slap decently hard at that two range, mm-hmm. which definitely played into the ISF player's advantage because all of my arc troopers only have their pistols aside from the sniper rifle guy. Right. So I had to get in that range too. So it was a little bit tipped in his favor in that regard. Mm. Other lists where they have like 10 or uh, 12 inch guns, you might have a little bit of advantage over the ISF list, but all in all, I feel like the ISF were a solid unit. Very good. So. The next game mode I want to go to
0: is Disabled Vehicle. An enemy vehicle has triggered an ambush and must defend itself until air support can arrive. The ambushing squad must destroy the tank before the air support arrives and obliterate the ambushers. So, this game mode I watched very closely. Uh, because in the first round we had just enough even number of players that I got to just watch and uh, help rule check with people as we went back and forth on stuff. And, Josh, I really didn't have to check your game all that well, or all that much, because you had a pretty good grapple of what was going on. I occasionally checked in just to see where the game was going, uh, but otherwise I was pretty much glued to this disabled vehicle scenario the entire time, because there are a lot of rules with it. So what happens is the blue player is the ambusher, I guess, is what you could say. Or no, the red player... (laughs) I don't know. There's a defender and an ambushing player. All right, let's let's look at it that way because they make the tokens. They like color the tokens weird in the, as opposed to anyway. You get the idea. The defender is going in this vehicle. You put a vehicle in the center. There's an immobilized vehicle card that comes with all the squads, so they all have their own profile. I think for the most part they're pretty much all the same though. Uh, I don't. I didn't actually compare them to see if they were like wildly different than each other, but I think they're pretty much the same. So, you get this immobilized vehicle in the center, and then all of your guys uh, are deployed in base contact with that vehicle. So, all your guys are dropped on that vehicle, like, in base contact with it. While you're in base contact with that vehicle, you're treated as having heavy cover. The Ambushers get four tokens on, like, the north, south, east, and west, like, edge point of the battlefield, or three inches away from the edge of the battlefield, but... At those, like, cardinal direction points, more or less, and they don't deploy. So when you activate them, or when you would, like, grab their order, you activate them, and they, and you deploy them in base contact with one of those points, and then you do their two actions. And if you wanted to, you can go back to those points, and teleport back to the, like, ambush network, they call it, where you're just not deployed. And then the next turn, you can come back and do it again. Uh, So, the reason that you're doing this is, when you deploy, the ambushers are given a grenade. So, it's a special action that they throw a grenade uh, at the tank. And that's the only way that you can hurt the tank. So, the ambushers come in, each model has a grenade, the closer they're able to move to the tank... And throw the grenade, the more potent, the more dice you're rolling for the grenade, the closer you get. So it's incentivized that you not teleport. You have to be at least 10 inches away to, to throw anything, I think, at this tank. So you gotta be at least 10 inches. So you're not, like, teleporting in, throwing it, and, like, teleporting out. It's not gonna do you much good. The tank has, like, 15 health. So, and you got four rounds, so you gotta make it work. So what I watched, I watched a, uh, a droid v. droid game. So this was the B1 squad versus the droid commando squad. And the B1s were defending, and the commandos were attacking. And the attacker basically made their, made their strategy. Everybody teleport in all at once. Everybody go as close as you can. Everybody throw your grenade and just hope for the best. And don't even worry about the B1s. Just move in, lob your grenade, shoot your shot. If you survive, go back to the point, teleport away, come back, throw your grenade, keep going. And by turn four, near near the end of the game, that is pretty much what happened. They were able to do enough damage to the tank, and they were able to blow it up. Now, my problem with this game mode was a similar problem that I'm going to have when I describe the next game mode, Josh, which is that it's very uninteractive. The defending player's chief complaint in this game was that they li- all they literally did the entire game was aim and shoot. They literally had to do nothing else all there because the objective is for the ambusher to blow up the tank and if they don't achieve that by the end of round four, they lose and when they deploy they're deployed in heavy cover and they're all like in it, like however many however many inches away from each other already, so they're not incentivized to really spread out they're not incentivized to go anywhere. And they might as well just sit in heavy cover, aim, and shoot. That's all they have to do. So that's all he did the entire game. And he was like, that wasn't really fun for me. So I don't know. What's your thoughts? Like, uninteractive, un- objective kind of, question mark? Like, not much for yeah. one player to do.
1: That, I heard you guys talking about that after the match, where the boy player could yeah, just sit there and just pass turn, essentially. and uh, But... Ways they could maybe fix it, uh, instead of starting in heavy cover, uh, some, give, give the blue player some action to where they can like close a blast door on the vehicle and it gives them light cover and then there's like two doors so you can build up to that heavy cover or something like that or the vehicle itself doesn't start with, uh, a gun on it, but they can repair the gun and have the vehicle have, like, one of your units man that gun's vehicle's gun and have a little bit more powerful gun to use or something. I can see that. The, uh,
0: yeah, it would be, it would be cool to, uh, make this vehicle, like, give it more character. You know what I mean? Make this, make this yeah. vehicle. I, like, I like what you're saying. Like, basically give it more actions to do things with the vehicle. Cause, uh, as it is, the vehicle does have stats on it It does have keywords it's an activation you get it as an activation if you're the defending player uh so you get to go with it you can't you can't issue it orders like in a command phase but uh it does get a token it gets two actions you can pivot it uh you can shoot its guns you know you can do all that kind of stuff the only thing that you can really interact with it right now and we didn't actually get to see how much it really came into play was uh support units can heal the tank which, that's cool. That I like that. So, like, you, there's a little bit yeah. of interaction with the tank. You can at least heal it. Here's why we didn't get that. Turn 1, activation 1 of this game, the droid commando sniper deployed, did a move, and then shot his sniper at the only unit in the B1 droid squad who can repair the tank, which was, like, their their worker droid, and took it from full health to dead in one shot. <laughs> So it it never had a chance to do anything. It came in and just he just sniped it right away and I was like, "Man, mechanically, I hate that for you thematically, I love it. <laughs> it's just like he took out the appropriate target first, and then everyone was like, "It's an
1: ambush <laughs> <laughs> yeah you so, can, you uh, can almost hear the preamble to the Clone Wars episode where they're just like, "All right." uh get the droid to work on the ship so we can get out of here. <laughs> oh, no. no. <laughs> yeah,
0: if it wasn't droids v. droids, it would have been a very cinematic clone wars episode. <laughs> but uh yeah, overall I am I'm-, I'm shaky on this objective. Uh you know, it was fun if you if you've got players who love to play their imperial gunlines that just sit and shoot uh that the rules are trying to shy, shy you away from. Uh, here you go. This is a great objective for you to try. But yeah, I agree with your sentiment there, Josh. If they were gonna try and like addendum this objective to be a little more interactive, it would be cool to see more things that the blue player or like the defending player could do with the tank to interact with it, give it some character, give it get get some stats or something going with it, so it could do something
1: else. My first reaction to seeing that game mode was like. Man, I could go on Etsy. I know I've seen the the Clone Wars like oh, yeah. Indian Kurdakotsky's Clone Wars, uh, Captain Fordo and his squad that went to hunt General Grievous and they had their like their LAAT that had like the Rancor mm-hmm. face painted on it and you could just buy an a L A A T and crash it and then have that whole scenario just set up for you right there. There you go. And then you get into the game, it's like, what do they do? They sit there and just kind of shoot at stuff. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so I think maybe
0: there needs to be a little bit of work done there. But uh, not the worst, not the worst game mode in the world. Transitioning to bring down the shields the last uh, <laughs> objective that we can play here. And uh, it's the one that I played with you, Josh. So we get to talk about this one in, in the most depth because we both had a share in the two sides of this. Yeah, And I'll be perfectly honest. My initial reaction of this uh, of this objective, not good.
1: <laughs> Didn't love it. Yeah. No. <laughs> Even uh, from an attacker's uh, or. You know, you would be the attacker, right? Sure, yeah, basically. Uh, even from the Defender's standpoint, which, when we describe it, you'll see is kind of in my favor, uh, I was like, "That's that's not cool at
0: all. <laughs> so, the story here is, the attacking squad must infiltrate the Defender's base and shut down the shield generator, allowing the full assault to begin. Without the success of this operation, the battle is lost. So, three red consoles go in, like, a triangle uh in the midst of the map, and then there's one blue transmitter in the middle. So the blue player is the defender. They deploy, like, half of their, most, if not, like, half if not most of their squad all at once, and then a couple of their units don't deploy yet. Core commanders and heavies get deployed, and then everything else doesn't get deployed, I think. I think that's right. And then, the red player is the attacker, and they deploy everything, and the attacker is trying to go to these consoles, which, mind you, are more than two move actions away. This is the first of my complaint. <laughs> They're more than two move actions away, so your first whole turn is wasted. Uh, in most, in most cases. Uh, once you get to those consoles, it is a free, for a free action, you can do, you can roll three black attack dice, and you're trying to, there's a, there's a card, there's a transmitter card, so it's a table that has two criticals, two surges, and four hits. And you're throwing these dice, and as you throw these dice, and supports can like re-roll one of them, I think, uh, when you're throwing those, you're trying to get those dice results that you can fill up this transmitter card. Once you get six of these trans, uh, like six of these Matching icons on this transmitter card. So bare minimum, if you're a really hot roller, you can get this done in two free actions. If you're a really bad roller, it's going to take you the whole game. You need six of these filled in, and when you have six of these filled in, you can go to the transmitter in the middle, and you can do an actual action to clear the card. And if you've cleared the card with six of those results on there, you get one victory point. The red player is trying to get three victory points in order to win. So you gotta fill up that card with six results three times and then flush it out with the transmitter full actions three times. So, it's a lot. Especially while the blue player, while the defender not only just has to more or less move forward and shoot you and do nothing else, they also get actions that Undo your work, which, Josh, I didn't tell you about, really, because, A, we... I mean, you knew about it, but I didn't remind you of it, because I already felt like I was battling a, an uphill battle. I didn't need you to be slogging me down even further than what you were doing, so... Yeah. yeah. Uh, but all of this is like, you know, you can... Uh, you know, you can undo results on my card, you know, and especially during that game. Could you imagine if you were, if you were doing that?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, you could add a die to the reinforcements pool. So the reinforcement pool was all you spent your first turn doing was just yeah. adding dice to your reinforcement pool and you roll that and then like for each whatever result you bring in one of your guys that hasn't deployed I'll be I'll be honest when I say that this felt like a useless mechanic. <laughs> like it felt very guaranteed that you were going to get everything that hadn't deployed at the end of round 1. And this and this objective is written as if that's not Always going to be the case, but it very much feels like it'll always be the case to me
1: was it a was it a free action to
0: all all of your all of the defenders console actions are free actions
1: yeah that that's uh, why
0: <laughs> so the other one is you can choose an enemy unit and roll three black attack dice. the chosen unit gains one suppression for each critical or hit result that's rolled, so you could have been suppressing me more with the console for for free, I should say. And then, encrypt, if the unit making this action is a support unit, you may re-roll one additional dice, even though there's only one, so whatever. If any results rolled match a covered slot on the transmitter card, you may remove a victory token from that slot. So, if I rolled, if I have three hits and a crit on my card right now, when you do that encrypt action, which is a free action for you, and you roll a crit, you can take the crit right off of my card. And then I have to keep rolling for that. So, that's the breakdown, more or less. Um, I played the generic clone squad while Josh played the ARC captain, so we had ve- so we had a uh, a Republic skirmishing uh, practice uh, for the for our for our story. But oh my god, this objective <laughs> felt impossible for the attacker. Uh, some credit where credits due. We did think at for the first couple I think two rounds we thought that I had to fill the entire card all eight before I could clear the card uh which was not really working but even then once we've discovered halfway through that I only needed six of the results it really did not change much at all because filling up that chart did not feel great I couldn't even do it in the first round you can you can you as the Defender can hit the console in the first round with like two move actions and then a free action. Me as the attacker could not. And I don't think that that was because we like measured everything poorly or anything like that. I'm pretty sure we had everything right. It was just like, I couldn't get to it in the first turn or I barely could with some of my units. And this is with the generic clone group that you, you know, you said earlier, they have that further Republic thing on the commander where they can do extra moving. And I still couldn't even really get to it. Yeah. So, I mean like it, it, and maybe I could with like one of those squads. Depending, it might also depend on our map. But I deployed in the most advantageous way where I could get to it, and it really still hampered my movement. So I mean, like, I I felt bad because I've got to fill this card up with six hits and six you know hits, crits, surges, whatever, and then I also have to get to the center and use one of my actions to clear the card so I can start over again and I can't even do it in the first turn. So I've only got three turns. I've got to fill this card and clear it every turn for the rest, like once per turn, once per round, I should say, once per round for the rest of the game, and if I don't do it, I lose. Meanwhile, you're just sitting there shooting me. And in fact, what you did specifically, Josh, was after you got all your reinforcements in, you just moved all your dudes to the center transmitter, and started bubble wrapping it so I couldn't even touch it. Yeah, we. <laughs> and I was like, well, this is a, <laughs> this is a turn of events.
1: I think one of the only like huge oopsies, uh, they did in the beta here, uh, and I'm not gonna really count the ID10 art for Astromech mix up, cause I think most everyone had that figured out. Yeah, right. Uh, but they didn't list like, do you have to be within base contact of the transmitter to right. use yeah. anything like that? They, they did not. You can maybe make an argument of like three inches or something. But pre- yeah, pretty much my first turn was moving up to the console that was closest to me, spending like six extra black die to like make sure my other th- two. My, was twos, like two yeah, my two jetpack boys uh, got onto the board. And then, by round two, I was pretty much surrounding the transmitters, so I was like, "Well, he can't even complete the objective if he can't even touch it, so All right while I was on the receiving
0: end of that punishment, I did love it as a uh, as a way to prevent him from winning, just like, well, if I bubble wrap the one thing that you get victory points from, can't really get victory points, can you so yeah, that was uh i I still had fun. I should say because it, just because it was you and me and we were just playing, you know, for fun, Legion. I still had fun, but oh yeah, it,
1: it was very much uh, one of our classic dual puzzle moments. Yeah, but the from the
0: mechanics standpoint, uh, not great. This is my le- this is my least favorite of the four objectives because of how it is. There's definitely ways that we can fix it. I'm not going to pretend like all my suggestions are. Good and balanced, but they're like hip fire considerations that maybe could go for some consideration and further balancing from the, uh, from the smarty pantses at the, at AMG. So, my first couple thoughts, my first one, yeah, like you suggested, Josh, it doesn't necessarily say you have to be in base contact, and maybe it shouldn't. Maybe it should be three, maybe even six inches away from the eject, probably three, right? Probably three yeah. inches from that objective. Three, just though, I said
1: three because that's what shifting priority says.
0: Yeah, that's like a good personal range. Six is a little far. Um, so, yeah, I think maybe three inches away from one of these objectives would help a great deal, I think. Um, and I'm not saying all of these fixes at the same time. These are probably just one of these fixes might help or might fix it independently. Definitely don't do everything that I'm saying. Um, the other fix that I was thinking about is maybe just bring the, bring it down to two victory points. I don't know if anyone else's experience with the, with this game mode was the same as ours, but at least with the way that we played it and the way that it played out for us, three felt impossible. I barely got one with, uh, with the way that the game was going and the way that we had everything going. I was like, if I get one victory point off of this, I'm going to, I'll have my moral victory, but there is no way it is at all possible for me to get three with this setup and this current way that we're playing. So I don't know. Maybe other people played this and they were like, oh, this was totally balanced and we had lots of fun, but you know,
1: I don't know. It's like spreading it out evenly throughout the match. You would have like one turn to like, get up, get your squads up, fangle around with the uh, consoles, get your card filled. And then next turn, go up, touch the butt, and then also get that card filled again for next turn to finish everything on schedule. Right. All while another player is just gunning your guys down.
0: Gunning your guys down and can for free sit on the console and slow your progress down. Yeah. When you don't even have that many, like, you can't even really, I don't know. Like, on... On paper, maybe, it sounds like it could easily be done, but, like, in practice, it felt impossible.
1: One thing, uh, and it wouldn't even need a huge overhaul of the game rules, is maybe if you try this at home, with the center uh, transmitter in the dead center of the map, don't put any terrain on it at all. Just out in the open. So that plays to the uh, the attacker's interest where he only wants to go out there, touch it, and then do the clear a thing action. Uh, if I were sitting out in the open uh, like that, bubble wrapping that transmitter, I would just be standing out in the middle of nowhere, and you would have a, a, a little bit easier time uh, getting me off of that. Yeah true cuz you were in
0: uh, you were technically considered in uh, in heavy cover cuz of the way that we had it uh, cuz it was like a little raised on a hill or what had some well, like well it was one of those like, sweet
1: little uh, battlefront 2 like
0: objective
1: diases you know yeah so and it, it was giving the you cover for
0: being in the middle yeah so yeah i would say yeah if you were going to play that game mode that's probably a good suggestion as well Just take away make make sure that the the middle Objective is not like a great hill for the defender to die on because uh, they won't die on it; <laughs> they will just stay yeah. on it and be happy. Um, but yeah, so yeah. As far as interactions go, I, I I also wanted to like grill this one and say it was not an interactive objective. But here's the thing: at least you've got some play where you could play with this console a little bit, and there's there's some counter play there. You know, you yeah. can uh. Even though I don't like it in its current state, you know, there's an action to encrypt the code that the other player's trying to crack, you know. I, I, I like that on pen and paper. I don't love it in practice because it, because I feel like the game mode's a little imbalanced right now. But, you know, on pen and paper, I love that, that you can, you know, there's a way that you can counter-hack, uh, the thing that the red player's trying to do. Um, the reinforcement pool is like an attempt at, some kind of interactive, like, side thing that the defender has to do, but it, like I said, it didn't last whatsoever, and it didn't ever feel like it was ever going to be a question. And so I I think maybe that, by design, means it should be changed and revisited in some way. Um, the like, suppression, if you, the suppre- oh, go if ahead. If you
1: didn't mess with the reinforcement pool at all, it might take you two turns to get... your guys all out there and
0: based on who's not deploying in your squad, you're not going to have more than like two people not deploy. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on there, but um, I'm sure it was just something to try and slow the defender down, but it literally doesn't slow the defender down. If anything, like during our game, it just felt like this awkward thing that had to happen. (laughs) Like, like a formality. It was just like, okay, and now you deploy, there you go. Uh, Anyway, now we can continue. Uh, but yeah, and then like the suppression webs or whatever, where you can slow down the attacker. Again, on pen and paper, as objective things, I like it. I like that you you can do this counterplay with each other over these consoles. Uh, but on in practice, as the game mode stands right now, uh, not necessary. And I didn't like it because the yeah. attacker, it, it's, it felt impossible for the attacker to actually
1: get everything done. And a big reason why I was fairly comfortable with the strategy I employed is due to some of my loadout cards. Like True. Those will vary after. from faction to faction to
0: squad to squad, but yeah, yeah. Your loadout your loadout didn't didn't make it easier for me.
1: And the fact that you choose your loadout before deployment after you already know what game type, you can sort of play to that. Right. And so I had it to where once per round, when a unit is issued in order, they recover. So even if you were, like, focusing down guys to suppression them off and stuff, I can just, nope, they're good. And then at the start of each unit in this squad's activation, if it's in three inches of an objective token, it gains a surge and may remove a suppression. So yep. my guys were just extra durable on this hill. <laughs> right. So it made it even better
0: uh the clone squad versus the arc trooper squad i thought you know this and the b1 versus the b1 command or the bx commando squad uh i thought this was a really good test to see if the regular guys versus the special forces version are do they stand up to each other and honestly so far with both of those factions the answer feels like yes because yeah. they were able to uh, i thought you know both sides traded pr- traded some blows uh, you spent most of the time shooting at me. I was actually shooting at you as well because I had to clear at least one of your guys off so you could unbubble wrap this center objective. Yeah. And, you know, we, we traded blows. We killed a couple guys. Like, a couple of guys died on each side. So, I mean, it was, uh, you, you almost got more of my guys, but you, uh, you left my medic. <laughs> and my, uh, and my medic yeah. was a, uh, was a god among men. <laughs> so, uh, he, he really saved the day. Especially because I gave him the loadout, be a better medic. And so there was at one point where you were gunning for my commander and you had all these wounds and suppression tokens on him, and then Rad, my medic, was just like, Alright, and now I'm going to remove everything that ails you. Commander, you're good. And you were just like, Ah oh. <laughs> well <laughs> yeah. maybe I should have been going for the medic. <laughs> you're supposed to you're supposed to kill the uh the white mage. Kill oh, you're supposed kill to kill the, the white mage. mage first. Oh <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Anyway, so as far, so uh, I'm going to say that, so I'll say this in the most positive way. I'll I'll give the positive spin on this Josh instead of uh, instead of just dragging it. I'm very excited to see what bring down the shields looks like in beta 2.0. Yeah, cuz I think <laughs> I'm excited it, it, to see what it looks like with another go.
1: <laughs> it like on paper and conceptually, you know, you feel like this should be one of the game modes you're bringing down the shield and you got to get in and hack the device and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like it should be one of the game modes where the downed vehicle is Black Hawk down and stuff like that. Uh, the codes is pretty much the end of a heist movie.
0: Yeah, narratively, all this stuff is great. Mechanically, yeah, there's a little bit to be desired on some of these. Like, I think, uh, I think the first two... See the what we talked about seemed pretty pretty good um I saved disabled vehicle and the bring down the shields for the last two because I thought they needed the most uh technical discussion on them as a whole. I love special operations it's fun. I look forward to playing it again. I've seen a very uh, and I don't think this is a negative thing, but um everyone that I saw, most of the people said that playing special operations made them want to go back and play regular legion again. But I don't think they meant that in a mean way. Like, boy, I really hated special operations. I prefer normal Legion and just wanted to do that. Uh, It just made, like, to build on that, I think it just made me want to play more Legion. Yeah, And it made me want to, like, it made me want to
1: play more Legion, which I think, you know, that's a good thing. Maybe at one point they had bought a whole, like, Empire lot. And up until this point they only had, like, a special operations worth of stuff built or painted or what have you, ready to go, and then playing that, they're like, you know, maybe I should give uh, the whole thing a a good a good effort. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah. This is a yeah. I actually absolutely agree. This is actually a great buy-in for uh, for new players who want to you know try out the game, but they don't have that many models yet. You could buy a phase one squad and have the making of pretty much whole generic clone squad. Obviously, you're gonna have to do something about that astromech, but whatever. Uh, you get the point. You've got one group of whatever your army is painted. Uh, you're good to go. You can uh, you can give this a try and get a feel for Legion. Obviously, the game mechanics are you know a little different, but um, we'll see what it looks like as a, in beta 2.0, and we'll see what it looks like on final release later on in the year. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I, would, I had a, I had a lot of fun with it. Josh,
1: I know you, you had fun with it as well. Like I said, a, it was a good excuse for me to take ARCs, which I don't have a whole lot of experience with in the regular game mode, something I'm not super comfortable with, and get to play with them a little bit until I am comfortable with them.
0: Yeah. Obviously, they work different than they would in the thing, but putting models on table never feels bad. <laughs> well, yeah, and
1: and... To go along with how they have rules that do reflect how they normally play on about half of their rules. So they still have reliable stuff like that. Yeah, true. There's a little bit of mirroring
0: in there. And then the clone trooper keywords, obviously. You know, you get to help those guys out. But, yeah. So, I mean, very cool stuff. I had a lot of fun. You had a lot of fun. And I'm excited to see where it goes. This isn't our last time playing Special Operations, obviously. We will... We'll uh, we'll we'll bring you back on if you'd like to, uh, we'll, and we'll revisit special operations when they when they do their next beta.
1: Yeah, compare it to the first round. Compared
0: to the first round, sounds good. Well, then I know that uh, I'll I'll await for our mutual employer to uh, to give us a similar job, and uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you on the battlefield again soon, sir.
1: Oh, I'm sure with enough re- public credits, you can find me about anywhere.
0: Sounds good. <laughs> well. Thanks for coming on, Josh. I appreciate your time, and I'll uh, we'll see you for uh, the next special operations round. I'll I'll
1: see you then. Yeah, it's good being on. I'll talk to you later. See ya. Well, that was nice. Let's go.
0: Uh, I guess I'm gonna go see how Paul's doing in the cockpit. See if we're uh, any
2: closer to AdeptCon.
0: Hey, Paul. How's it going?
2: Oh, you know, just heading in this straight line here.
0: So we've been in hyperspace for uh, for a little bit. I was able to do that whole uh, I was able to do that whole call with Josh without uh, without any uh, bumps or anything. I thought maybe we'd uh, make a stop somewhere, but uh, we're we're still here.
2: Oh no, I'm I'm ready I'm ready to get there. I'm gonna push forward as as much as I can here. Well, We uh, we still got days yeah it's true it it feels like days away (laughs) so uh yeah we're gonna get there
0: we're gonna get there uh as everyone knows adepticon is mere days away by the time this uh this releases are you excited i'm excited excited. Uh, i don't even know what to expect and i'm excited
2: yeah it's it's interesting i have been a few times but for some reason i'm really excited for this one and maybe it's just because of like, the change in mindset of what I'm doing. I'm, like, not going to play in anything, like, you know, super competitive and just going to enjoy myself. And so I'm really just looking forward to just being there and doing whatever I want.
0: Yeah. And uh, that's a great way to to go about it is I've never been to a major event where I'm, like, I'm going to get super competitive here for this. Like, I'm going to, we're going to Adepticon. I'm going to be doing Worlds. However, I've literally only scheduled the first day for Worlds because I'm already anticipating that I will not make the top cut, <laughs> like the top half of the roster. And if it and if I do, like, I'm not going to throw every game I play, obviously. But if I do make the top half of the roster, I'm actually going to be upset <laughs> because I have other stuff scheduled on the other days and I'm not winning at all. So it's not like making it to day two is going to do me any favors for Getting me further along. So, um, yeah, I have, I just have a bunch of stuff planned for, and stuff with you planned, uh, out through, you know, Saturday, I, even Friday, I think. Wait, is Worlds on Friday? Yeah, World, no, Day One is on Friday, so not Friday. But I've got stuff planned Thursday. That's not the last, the last chance qualifier. I got Saturday, I got Sunday. And Paul, we're gonna have back to back game fun that's not, Anything competitive, because uh, I'm not even going to be that competitive when when at Worlds, you know. It's just going to be I'm just going to be going there and playing for fun, like it's any other event, and just uh, trying to do my best. But I know the people that play Worlds, uh, they will be way better than my best.
2: <laughs> well, and uh, just from my experience at Worlds, right? Like the the competition is is high. Yeah, these are all this is the people. Highest. Yeah, these are all people who have worked and won events or, uh, you know, finished quite high wow. in events that are getting invites to Worlds. So, you know, the competition is is really good. Um, so just, so how did just I, being so how did get there is awesome. Yeah, just being there is awesome. How hey, did you, I get there again? Hey, you, you won a tournament. Did I? I guess I did. It's been a while. (laughs) It's literally been
0: uh, three years.
2: But, you know, I am really glad. I mean, I'm not taking advantage of my invite to Worlds, but I am very glad that they are – taking all of those invites that, you know, happened right around the COVID time where everything just, you know, shut down um, and people who had invites to Worlds, then Worlds didn't happen and, and all of that. And so I'm really glad that they are giving everyone who mm-hmm. had those previously the opportunity to play uh, I am this good. year at Worlds. Uh, you know, it it really was – um, for a little bit there, kind of like a feel bad moment, not knowing if we were going to even get a chance to play. And, you know, of course here, I'm, I'm saying this as I'm leaving my world's invite in, <laughs> in my box on my shelf, like right. with my other, you know, tournament stuff for Legion. Um, but I am glad for that everyone's giving or getting that opportunity to, to go and, and use their invites that they, You know, they deserved, whether it was three years ago or two months ago, like, everyone deserved a chance to go and play. And, you know, like you have been talking about, I think, more lately, too, is just saying that you can go and play in Worlds and saying, like, hey, I made it to Worlds, I played, it was fun. Like, and that's just something that you can just check off your list, right?
0: Yeah, Um, that was my whole competitive goal for Legion was just, I want to say that I have gone to Worlds for Legion, like, that I qualified for Worlds and that I played in Worlds, and that's all I care about. I don't care where I place. I'm literally setting my expectation to rank last in Worlds, which would be funny, because if I rank last in Worlds, that's a weird flex in its own that I'm going to take and uh, run with, but (laughs) uh, it's still, it's still, yeah, the only competitive goal I had for Legion. So actually, after I go it's going to feel like a huge uh, – even getting the invite felt like a huge weight off my shoulders because I was like, wow, now I have no competitive goal for Legion. I don't have to go back. Like, I'm not even holding myself to the expectation that I have to go to the next Worlds or, the, or like, the one after that, that I have to even go again. I'm just like – I went once. That's fine for me. And uh, good enough.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited that you're going to play in it. You know, I got to play – I, I want to say it was year two – in worlds um and it was a ton of fun just being able to play and you know play some competitive games and meet some some cool people along the way and and get to see all the really cool tables and things that they had and i know i've been seeing some posts on facebook and stuff uh yeah I saw those two, that have the tables yeah, like the terrain like mm-hmm. the tables of just tons of terrain and it, it looks looks pretty cool i'm excited to be able to walk around even though i'm not playing i'm really excited to go like take a trip down all the tables and look and see you know what people come up with I love that that aspect of the game too like putting a table together and making it look cool and thematic and all of that oh, yeah. that's really fun for me so I like seeing what other people come up with and you know their creativity and how, they're, how they work it into the game right to make the table look cool but then also have some elements that are kind of unique and different than you might see normally but that fit. It's really well into the gameplay mechanics, and so mm-hmm. I I really like seeing what people come up with with that.
0: Yeah, Caleb, uh, my buddy Caleb says that he he was on the show before. He um he was like, if I could just play a game that was just Legion map maker, I would. He's like, okay. I, he's like, no, he's like, no joke. I would just play a game that's just making maps in Legion, and that was all it was. Like, I'm mean, he's like, I don't even care that I wouldn't get to play on it afterward. He's like, I just like making the maps and making them look cool. So. Guess who builds all of our tables when I have a bunch of terrain and I also have to set up an army and everything else? I'm like, all right, Caleb, you're going to play your favorite game, Legion Map Maker. Here's the box of terrain. Here's the mat. Have fun. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's it's really fun, like, doing that and having people who are passionate about that side of things too who also know the game, right? It's, it's really awesome to have that uh, option when you're trying to set up tables for an event or things like that because it's hard, like, if you're doing a big event, All by yourself, and it's like at some point you kind of get like bored, for lack of a better term. Of like, okay, here's another one of these (laughs) like tables that I'm putting together. Like, let's see what I can come up with.
0: (laughs) So, just because I feel it to be thematically appropriate, and honestly, I would just feel bad if I didn't bring it. um, I am going to be bringing. Ladies' night to worlds because that is a what I won my invite with so it feels only appropriate that I take it because if I went to worlds that like next month that's what I would have played um I'm not gonna play it quite the same way that it was built back then because uh, that list nowadays would be like thirty points cheaper <laughs> I think i I think I did the math once and it was like wow this list is stupid cheap now uh. But it was, a, but we're literally talking about Legion three years ago, so it was a completely different ballgame back then. Um, but another reason is because I'm gonna be, uh, I gotta wear my sweet Friday Night Fights jersey that I've got, which uh, has the nickname that they've that the community has given me, uh, the Ladies Man for the Ladies Night list, and uh, I just feel like it would be awkward if I wore that to Worlds and then didn't play Ladies Night, so I'd have to explain myself. <laughs> So uh I'm I'm at least gonna bring that for point A and B there.
2: Yeah, that that's gonna be fun. I gotta find a I have my jersey too, my Friday Night Fights jersey, and I gotta find a day to wear it. I'm not sure if Friday's the day. Maybe I will just wear it on Friday when you're Yeah. Wear it on Friday. yeah I'll be elsewhere playing a different game, but that's okay. Oh.
0: You said you well come by and at least watch one of my games or something. Yeah, yeah say, I, probably, right. I
2: probably will be able to because I think you're going all day and the event that I have doesn't start right away. So
0: Yeah, so, so, so. literally any time that you don't want to be uh, – that you're not going to be doing something, I'll be playing Legion. So <laughs> you'll know where to find me because you did the same thing in Gen Con.
2: Yep. Yeah, no, we'll we'll definitely be running into each other and, yeah, I, I will definitely be wearing my jersey at some point during the weekend for sure because those things are awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say I love mine the uh yes. second round of them actually are getting ordered already so uh i don't have one of those cuz i'm just i'm perfectly fine with the one that i have but um they look really sweet so props to anyone who's getting one of those uh so my list i'm actually not like 100% 110% committed to yet all i know is that it's going to be Leia Jin and Sabine and then everything else kind of blurs a bit for me because I have the the original version that's like kind of been updated, like the updated version of that list. And then I have a version that I've been kicking around that I have some units in that I nev- n- didn't have back then and that I just like experimenting around with. I'm just, like, kind of torn on it right now, and I guess I'll kind of throw it up just a brief version. I'm not going to go point-by-point point upgrade for upgrade for everything, but um, the main thing that I'm thinking is, you know, I've got Leia, I've got Jin, I've got Sabine. They're all decked out the way they're going to be decked out. Those probably aren't changing. I've got 2 ATRTs. I have used to have rotary cannons on, but uh, I've talked to, like, Sean and Jason stuff, and they think that I should try out the laser cannon. Because I'm not, I'm not very, I've I've not used the laser cannon a whole bunch, but it's a really good, it's going to be a really good anti-vehicle t- uh, uh tool to have in my back pocket. The uh, you know in case a tank rolls up and decides it wants to delete Sabine or delete Jin or something like, like I'll yeah. have some kind of answer for that. You're more familiar with the ATRTs than I am, so.
2: Yeah, I, I do like those rotaries, but if you don't have anything else that can deal with vehicles, like having, having that laser cannon isn't bad for sure. Except,
0: except here's the thing. Everything in my list, I think, has some kind of way to respond to vehicles because I've got, well, well okay, then I've got two rebels that have astromechs that just sit behind the RTs, but then I've got two snipers. So those can do something to the vehicles. I've got pierce on them. I've got two Rebels with DLTs, the, 20, the DLT 28, so critical. So I've got that. And then if I had the laser cannons plus the hero characters that surge to crit and then Sabine's Darksaber, it's something. But that's one version of the list. The other version of the list that I'm kicking around instead is Leia Jen and Sabine decked out the way they're going to be decked out, two laser cannon RTs, two Rebels with the Astromechs. And then instead of the two Rebels with the DLTs and the two Snipers, I'm kicking around the idea of two Rebel veterans with their heavies and then a unit of pikes that have a Capo and the Disruptor gun, the range four gun. And I'm honestly leaning more toward this version because there's more critical in it, which helps me, Rebel veterans are just head and shoulders better than rebel uh, rebel troopers because they surge both ways, which is so helpful in so many situations. Um, so they're throwing a better pool, and then really the only changes I'm I'm taking to, and then the only other change would be I'm instead of having two snipers, I have one range four pike unit, which can be a bat capper, uh, and just kind of bebop along there. And they are pesky to kill. You know, nobody's gonna bombard nobody's gonna veers bombard or I was gonna say Cassian sniper, but I don't <laughs> see anyone playing Cassian anymore. Uh nobody's gonna like range five, range infinite, and just bomb that in one attack. So it's going to at least withstand a couple attacks because pikes are a little durable. They're a little pesky to get rid of. So I don't know. I just that's kind of the version that I'm playing with is uh is uh, do I bring the two vets in the pike? So yeah,
2: I I've uh, I've enjoyed playing with rebel vets when I've been playing games just in general. I feel yeah, like you've been they, playing them
0: before, play them
2: before me. me. Yeah, I just I do I agree with you. The that surge um, on that hit uh, on the attack dice is just it's it's really nice. Even if you're at a point where you're just kind of you know taking a pot shot, you have you know much better. Yeah. Um, yeah output with them and then their heavies i don't always pay for their heavies but man that critical is so nice Mm -hmm. getting through you know cover and hitting vehicles if you need to there's a lot of ways that you can make that critical um work for you so
0: and if i leave it with the vets and the pike which i'm just sitting here talking myself into it um but if i leave that with the the vets and the pike I've got a lot more critical for if I come up against the new hotness dark troopers because dark troopers be scary and I know that people are going to be bringing them an empire to worlds.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That is true. I, I would anticipate you seeing some armor for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, and even so critical is still a good keyword for, uh, for cover. So I mean, there's still there's still good uses there. I'm I'm perfectly happy with uh, sticking with this version and just taking that where it goes. So it'll be what it'll be. The, uh, if, if you, the audience ha- are, uh, are so inclined to be like, no, you're an idiot. Don't take this. And here's why. Uh, feel free to reach out and tell me. I'm just going to also let you know that I have, not many competitive bones in my body for this uh, for this event, so <laughs> uh, I still sometimes wonder how I was able to play well enough to get my invite in the first place, but that's beside the point. Anyway, one thing that's going to be fun, Paul, is that since you and I will both be there, we're going to be doing something you said just a little bit ago, we're going to be meeting people. There's going to be all sorts of new people there that we haven't met, and I already know that there's been a bunch of people that have been like, yo, you're going to be at Adepticon. Oh my God. Like we got to meet up. We got to say, you got to say hi. So if you didn't listen to the last episode, I want to let you guys all out there know now that we're going to be bringing some sweet dice time swag with us to Adepticon. So definitely if you have the chance or want to meet, get some, get some cool swag or say hi to Paul or I definitely reach out to us. Cause I'm going to have all those new, uh, bounty hunter alt arts. I guess they're not new anymore, but they're, these ones are new because they were just freshly printed. Uh the Cad Bane, Boba Fett, and Bosque Alt Art cards that we did uh as our like wave two of Alt art cards, uh I've decided to print another run of those because we ran out of them fairly quickly and uh and everyone still wants them. <laughs> so there's there's still a big demand for them. So I was like, oh well, instead of like trying to bust out a, a, a wave three of alt arts before Adepticon, which may not even happen because, uh, I got to coordinate with Bob to make the art. And then I got to spend all those hours doing that. I was like, you know what? There's still a lot of people that want these bounty hunter cards. So why don't I just do another run of those? So we did another run of them. They're in my hand and they are going with me to Adepticon. You can get your hands on them. All you have to do is just meet up with us. Nothing crazy. And then I might have some other fun, fun dice time stuff to give out, but, um, We'll see how it goes. I'll definitely bring it. So, Paul, what do you think we're going to see? What do you think? Well, no, we. The royal we. What do you think we are going to see at Worlds? If you had to, you know, throw out guesses as to, you know, because we've seen some pretty crazy statistics coming out of the other majors that have happened recently. Do we expect that there's going to be predominant empire like LVO had? Do Do we think that? There's going to be a lot of Moff Gideon and Dark Troopers because that's the new hotness that nobody has been able to test for very long.
2: I mean, here's the thing. The pool of players is very large, right? There's a lot of people coming to Worlds. So we're obviously going to see a lot of stuff. But I think you're right. I think we're going to see a lot of the the new stuff, the new hotness. Uh, One, because people want to put that on the table. Two, there is definitely an element of people don't know how to play against it, so if you can play it decently and people haven't played against it yet and don't quite know how to deal with it when it's on the other side of the table, you just... By showing up with that, you can have an advantage, right? Yeah. You don't always have an advantage, but you can have one if your opponent's just like, well, I've never played against dark troopers before. Or like exactly. or my group doesn't have very many players who have dark troopers. Um so and they operate different than what we've been used to seeing in the game, right? Like they have some unique rules that kind of, well, for lack of a better term, I guess, break the rules in in ways that other units have not right, uh, right. in the past. So I, I definitely think you'll see that. Here's the one thing that I will say as far as like big events and especially like worlds. When I went to the last worlds that i participated in um there was one there too that just took everybody by surprise i think there will always be at these big events some lists that people are like oh wow like i never even thought about bringing this type of list there will and be those
0: dave grants
2: yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> um and, and at the worlds that I went to, um one of the big things was actually like saboteurs, rebel saboteurs, yeah, yeah um and doing force push shenanigans into a bunch of mines like and it was nuts, and people were like, "Oh my gosh, he like set up these plays and you know, so there's always gonna be something like that that people that's gonna do very well because someone is going to bring something that's different than what people are used to but they know how to play it really really well and they're going to turn some heads with it um yes like you said, you and i mr grant right yeah like and you know i love seeing that kind of stuff so i think that there will there will definitely be some of that at adepticon for sure at worlds um i think there are a lot of people um I actually you know kicked myself in the butt because I fell victim to this as well when uh I played in my like first worlds is I think people see what lists are doing well and they'll run that mm-hmm. um I did that, you know, I got my worlds invite by playing Rts. And I had o- I've always played RTs, you mm-hmm. know, as Rebels like that. from early on, I really enjoyed playing them. And, of course, the morning before, I switched and played Empire instead of Rebels, even though I played Rebels all the time because Empire seemed to be doing well. And, you know, red saves just seemed like a thing that would you know, help carry a little bit better. And, you know, I felt victim to that thing where it's like, just play what you are used to. Um, yeah, yeah. But I do think that there are people out there who are just like, well, what's doing well, because I, I have all this stuff. I don't know that I really care one way or another, but I want to do kind of well. So I'm just going to pick these things that are doing well in previous tournaments. So I think you'll see a lot of that stuff that's been doing well in tournaments. I think you're going to see people, uh, maybe maybe not have an exact mirror, but do something very similar, or take a lot of pieces of those lists and then put their own spins on them. I think you'll see a lot of that for sure. Um, but Lots of again, yeah, I mean that that happens in every game, right? Yeah, like true. People just grab what the meta is or what the perceived meta is um, at the time, and they run with it because they want to do well, and or just because the they just want to like have a list made for them because they don't want to put that that work in and you know right. um and that's not that's not to be a dig on anybody some people really enjoy list building and coming up with like those combos and stuff and other people are like i just really I just enjoy want to play. It. Yeah, I just, I enjoy after I get stuff to the table, like the beforehand stuff just really isn't my thing. And so, you know, they will go and look online and find out like, okay, here's some things that work well together. Okay, I'll put them on the table. And and just, there are
0: several people I play with that list building is not their thing. Yeah. And they will just be like, make a list for me. They're like, I want, I'm like, tell me what you want. And they're like, I want this, this, and this, everything else, your recommendation. And I'm like, all right. And so I'll like weekly or monthly be making lists for other people to use. And I'm just like, Hey, here you go. Try this. It has a combo with this and then you can do this to do this. And then, you know, they end up having a blast with it. So uh, that's all, that's always a fun way to uh, go about it. But yeah, the first time that you and I, met Paul. I tell this story all the time. The first time you and I met was the first and only event that I ever netlisted at. And it was uh and it was the Prime in Muncie. And it was also like my second event ever. Like of a uh, of any kind. Because of, this is like my first mini war game that I've actually gone to events and done stuff for. So that was like my second event ever. And I was not, like, I had not been doing events and stuff for very long. So I had no idea, I had no idea about the crazy amount of uh, fatigue and dehydration you can get if you do not supplement yourself whatsoever or take care of yourself over the course of a three or four round day. So you and I played round three, and I was playing Flyboys because that was the meta at the time. And I was like, I've played some Luke, I've played some Han. I can make this work, and I did win one game that day with it, but uh, I did not do nearly as well as I probably would have done had I just stuck with one of those characters that I knew better and made a list based around that.
2: Yeah, it is one of those things, right? Like, I think we all can easily get suckered into that, and... You know, we we stray sometimes for from things that we do well with or we enjoy because, oh, I'm going to this big event. I don't want to look silly or, you know, like those kinds of thoughts or like I at least want right. to do kind of well. So, like, I guess I'll bring yeah. something that's more a little more competitive than what I normally would bring or, um, yeah, things like that. So, yeah, no, I definitely – I definitely feel it. Like I said, I I did the same thing there, during the first Worlds that I, I participated in and ended up, you know, switching over and playing like a Boba list, Empire list, and, instead of my, you know, RT, you know, right. list that I just was so comfortable with. And, you know, I in hindsight, like definitely regret that. So <laughs> I, I would encourage anybody to play what they're used to, what they enjoy playing. Yep. Don't don't let the stage or whatever like affect what you would bring. Like what what got you there? Like if you're if that's what you enjoy doing, then do that. Don't don't worry about the rest of it. Like it doesn't it's a game. Like it doesn't right. matter. It doesn't matter if you place first or, you know, 50th or last or whatever. Like it just doesn't at the end of the day, I don't, you don't want to leave there saying, man, I just, I should just should have done what I, what I said I should have, you know, from the beginning, you know, you don't want to have those regrets just because you made a choice like that to do like a net list or whatever, rather than what you're comfortable right. with. Um, and then again, too, I feel like if you bring something you're comfortable with, you're going to have more fun with it because you know, like how to play it and it's going to be easier for you. Kind of like you said, the fatigue of days and like, worlds man it's 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 a lot it's it's gonna be even
0: longer it's probably the longest event i'm ever gonna have played in is gonna be worlds
2: oh yeah i mean it's they're really long days it's in a big room it's loud you know you're talking a lot there's not a lot of very long breaks like you're rushing to go to the bathroom sometimes you're going to the bathroom like in the middle of a game you're like hey i gotta run like i'll be right back while you move your guys or whatever I, i know
1: i'll be uh
0: i know i'll be watering up because yeah like i said the story i always tell is like the first time me and paul ever met he's like watching me literally like falling apart in front of him i'm just like oh god (laughs) like and you're just like are you okay do you need water are you all right (laughs) and i'm just like falling apart at the other end of the table like yeah Yeah. maybe (laughs)
2: And, and honestly i've seen it on the other side of the table like you're talking about our game um a tournament that i went to in chicago uh like a year or so ago um I, I had like a round three opponent who was the same thing. He's like, man, I got a really bad headache. And I was like, dude, let's just pause our game real quick. Like, let's go grab some waters and, and just sit and chill for a minute. Cause you could tell, like, you know, just from his demeanor and stuff, like he was dehydrated and hadn't been drinking very much through the day. And like, it's, it takes a toll on your body doing that kind of stuff. So if you haven't been to a big event like that or played in a really long tournament like that, I would encourage people, bring some water, bring some snacks, like something that's going to give you some good energy, um, but isn't, you know, hard to eat. Like, I know I always pack things like, you know, like a bag of beef jerky yep. or, or like, uh, you know, almonds or, you know, something like that. Something that's got some like sustenance and protein and stuff in there. And, um,
1: that's to, you to keep
2: you going and yeah, make sure to stay hydrated for sure. Cause it gets, it gets long. It gets hot. It, another one. You, you get tired talking.
0: <laughs> another one cough drops. Oh, like you said, you'll be talking all day
2: a lot. Oh, my gosh. And if you're if you're at an event or a tournament that is multiple days long, like, you know, worlds is and you're going to day two, you might not have a voice by day two. So, (laughs) um, yeah, you've really got to take care of yourself. And again, like stay hydrated. Cough drops is a really good one. That's not one that I normally pack with me, but I might start doing that now because that's it's it's true, like, it, you can get that scratchy throat real easy just, oh, yeah. just from your normal talking, because, again, an event, right, you're in a big hall, there's a lot of people talking, yeah, you, you kind of have to talk louder, yeah, it's, uh, it's a
0: lot. I definitely lose my voice every major event I go to, actually just every event I go to, period, because I just am pretty much nonstop talking to people all the time, because, uh, you know, we're just people that don't shut up, Paul. We're just, we we just are constantly like, I want to be heard. I want to yeah, be heard. Which is, Someone which wants is why we're on
2: this podcast, right? Which is why we're, we're here just like to <laughs> hear each other talk.
0: <laughs> so, I've got a fun one for you. If anyone is like, "Man, I want to bring a a Dave Grant style list or something," I want to bring something that's like no one in their right mind would ever play this list. Paul, I've got one for you, and uh, I dare anyone out there to uh, to bring this to worlds. Are you ready for nine sabers?
2: Uh, okay.
0: This is a separatist list.
2: Okay. Yep. Yeah. I, I feel like you have to, because three,
0: three naked battle droids. Okay. Maul with into the fray. Asajj Ventress with into the fray. General Grievous with the annihilator. Count Dooku with force push. 800 points on the money
2: and and nine sabers nine, and nine blades. sabers <laughs> oh, so man. uh yeah
0: that's a that is a legal list that you can run in 800 points and here's the and here's the worst part Paul is i made this list as a joke but i know that there are people out there who could use this list like a surgeon and absolutely gut somebody else
2: Oh, yeah. Like in just each of those characters, right? Like how often have you played a game and you're like, OK, I'm putting all this effort and energy into killing a Dooku or a Maul. And it takes you
1: Your whole half army. the game yeah.
2: or more to get rid of this one unit, right? And, and now and we're talking about four of, four of them.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. They say, in, you know, we've, we say it in Legion all the time, if something's not good enough, bring another one. Like, if the fleet (laughs) troopers aren't doing it for you, bring two. If two's not enough, bring four. You know, if the, if the AA5 isn't doing it for you, bring two of them. So heroes, that's the rebel way, you know, bring more heroes if you want, do even more. But you can do it in the CIS. You can just be like, hey, you know what? Count Dooku's great and all. You know, Dooku Maul is great. What if I doubled that? (laughs) What if I brought Dooku, Grievous, Ventress, and Maul all at once? And so, I mean, I put Force Push 2 into the phrase into DT Annihilator in there. So that's uh, 18, 22, like 26 points. So if you put brought everything in this list, all seven of these activations, and you brought them in naked, you got 26 points to play with an upgrade. So if you want to dump all 26 of those points on one of those characters, feel free. I just put one upgrade on each character, just in case. Uh, and that might not even be the upgrade you'd want to take. But, like... I don't know anyone in their right mind who would play this list, Paul, but I know that somebody could do it. And I know that there are people that if they wanted it bad enough, they could absolutely turn this into a very deadly list. <laughs> I I, I dread to see what someone could do with this list. I dread to be on the opposite end of the table from this list.
2: Oh, yeah. Like, I don't. Where would you start? Right. Like, all right, of those you gotta, sabers, you got to take- get rid of some of them.
0: Yeah, it's like which one of these do I feel like I can I want to stop or at maximum which two of these can do I think I can stop before they hit my line. So yeah, I mean and like, can I
2: can yeah. I slow down the other two long enough to get these objectives?
0: Right. And if all four of these are coming at you at full speed all at once, they're all speed 2. So I mean like you're not you're not facing a Vader or something where they're going to be slower than the other ones. Literally all four of these people could move up in a line in a wall that just walks at you and what do you do?
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Or even, I mean, they could walk just like straight up at your force. You could have them in like each kind of like quarter of the board has a, a Sabre user that you have to deal with or yeah. which is crazy to think of. Right. Because most <laughs> of the time it's like, okay, well Luke's over here. Vader's over here. Well, now I can do stuff on the other side of the board. Cause there's no way they're going to be over here, but it's like, Nope, they're everywhere. All but no, there's
0: the Sabre user in every corner.
2: Yeah, crazy. Or you and could I mean, combine
0: them into two strike teams of two, so you run Dooku and Ventress in one team, and then Grievous and Maul in another team, and say you're playing Intercept the Transmissions or Key Positions or something, you're sending two heroes after one point. Like, you're gonna own that point. <laughs>
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah, if you get the right, like, objectives and stuff, that could be really nasty. And I just think about, too, like, I've played Maul before and infiltrated him into a place where the opponent just had to focus all of their effort and energy on him and, you know, dance around him to make sure he didn't just run in and destroy their entire army. And he still was able, before he died to get in and kill, I think, like, a unit and a half of guys. But if you did that, and then you had three more Saber users who were coming for them, like, <laughs> how do you how do you manage that? Man, I'd like to see somebody put that on the table. That'd be crazy. It would be very difficult, right, because of the command cards. Like, which ones do you use? That's the which other thing I was going to say is, what like, do you
0: even do command card-wise with this list?
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You probably... I probably would take like some of each character. Oh, for sure. Pro- Don't you probably. Yeah, I would say you almost probably would have to do like a planned out like scripted turn.
0: Yes. Almost. I think I think so. I think you're right.
2: Just knowing okay, like on this turn I can definitely get Maul in a position where he could do something, you know, by turn 3 Dooku can be in there doing something. You know, maybe by turn four, I have Grievous in doing his one-pit maybe. You know, so I feel like you'd have to have some of those, like, in your mind already on what you would kind of want to play because, yeah, if you put all your eggs in one basket and then they just kill that one off the board without you being able to play a bunch of their cards or something, that could be really bad. Like like Maul. Maul is one of those ones for me where I... I enjoy playing him and man he can be really strong but I also feel like for some reason for me he always seems to die the easiest out of all the saber users I've played.
0: <laughs> you know, weirdly enough I've seen that because I've been on the dealing end of that. There was one time in the uh, team league uh, where I was I don't know who all was watching that game or not but I but I had a the dish up on the like stupidly tall uh antenna where it like Legally probably shouldn't have been, but the judges ruled it valid in an earlier game. So we were like, oh, well, we're just going to do that now (laughs) because it's because it's dumb and it's funny. And uh, I did a last first with the dish uh, into my opponent's mall, And I maybe did one wound or something, maybe did a second wound or something on the first attack. And then I absolutely blew him out and killed him with the second attack. And all I was trying to do was suppress him. Because I had the suppressive generator on it. So I was like, I right. just want to last first and suppress of him and I instead absolutely killed him. And I was like, Oh, well, okay. <laughs> Added bonus
2: <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. For some reason him for me, like I just feel like he dies so much faster, but then you got like Luke's invaders that just seem to take it for it days. It <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: It's a it's a it's a mystery.
2: I'm excited. I'm excited to see what what people bring to Adepticon and and Worlds. I want to hear some of the crazy lists that people bring. Because you know what? Some people um, have the same mindset as you, right? I'm just going to bring something fun because I know I'm not winning. I'm not trying to win. I don't want to do that. But I want to play in Worlds, and I just want to have a good time. So uh, I would not be surprised to see a list kind of like that. and I I hope we do. I hope we see some crazy stuff out there for sure.
0: I suspect that my later games will hopefully be the more fun ones and that usually is the case when I go to events because uh I'll get yeah. you know I'll get my clock cleaned in the first round or two and then my last game is either somebody who was taking it about as seriously as me or somebody who's just down on their luck or down on their list uh but then but then is a more fair match for me so we I end up having way more fun uh, as the day goes on which is uh, a not a bad problem to have. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward, yeah, like you said, to see what people bring. You yeah, that would be fun. You know what is getting brought, Paul, that's definitely guaranteed? That actually got announced today just for us. What's that? The, the, the prizes oh, of yeah. what worlds. So there's an article that dropped, well, I say today, but today's as of recording. So that's like a week and a half ago. So everyone already knows by now. Uh, and there could have been more Worlds news <laughs> since before then, but whatever. But AMG dropped an article to show off some of the prizes that are going to be uh, for uh at Worlds at Adepticon. So, the article states, In addition to the prizes for Top 16, Top 8, Top 4, Runner-Up, and World Champion, a pool of prizes is available to those who participate in the Star Wars Legion World Championships Tournament. So what the, what so how i'm I'm reading that how I'm understanding that paul, and you can tell me if you agree with that, but by that wording, these prizes that they're showing are not for the top sixteen well are not solely just for top sixteen top eight top four runner up and world champion. These are things that if you just show up i'm not I'm not saying you're gonna get all of this, but just for showing up you've got you've got chances to win these things. Maybe just for for playing at all
2: yeah that's that's my interpretation of what it what it has on there too, and so that's that's incentive for everybody right to to, to come go and, and just participate, play, and I know a lot of times those kinds of things will um be like passed out every round, like every round you might get something a little extra, a little extra every time you play to incentivize people to continue to play, even if they have lost and are not in the running anymore for, you know, winning the whole tournament or whatever. So yeah, I really enjoy when they do stuff like that. And I, it's always fun to go to a tournament and walk away with something even if it's not oh, yeah. right just going, you might be going there to try to win and then you don't do so hot but you still get to walk away and say hey I you know I got this cool alt art that I can use or yep. um you know these cool order tokens yep. or something that you can say hey I got, I got these for winning a tournament or playing in a tournament or you know whatever it might be
0: and these are all like really cool things so I I would love to just I would love it, yeah, if I just walked up and I'm like, I'm here to just play three games and then go home as last place, that I still get to walk away with something is awesome for me and I love that. So I will be absolutely happy if any of this uh goes home with me. So in the article is a foam boba fett box, which is very cool. Uh a General Grievous dice bag which has the like core the Clone Wars corset art on it. And then it's a the Star Wars Legion on it, which looks super cool. And then there are five alt art, uh, unit cards for, that are tarot taro card size. So these are big cards compared to the normal, like, trading card size that the unit cards actually are. Uh, that are of Cassie and Andor, Iden Versio, Captain Rex, Count Dooku, and Gar Saxon. So that each faction has some kind of representation in that, in the, that lineup. Uh, very cool looking cards. Uh, as somebody who, as as a team who has made all star cards uh, ourselves, uh, I'm jealous with how awesome these look. <laughs> so uh, I'm very much looking forward to getting my hands on one or more of them. Uh,
2: yeah, I will be yeah, happy with look, literally any of them. They look really, really good. Yep.
0: So I'm guessing that's going to be some kind of just participation thing. Speaking of participation. There's also alongside those prizes, those who participate in side events such as Unnatural Resources, as I know because I'm signed up for Dynamic Exit, could also receive a variety of alternate art command cards. And the picture that they have with those are the command cards that come with the Battle Forces box, which I think was a smart way to do a print run of those. Because otherwise those are print and play only cards because otherwise you have to buy a $120 box to get them, which is the biggest paywall behind anything in Legion, period. It's these command cards. But it's not a paywall because they said go ahead and print and play them because we don't want to gatekeep everyone behind a $120 purchase that they may not even need to make because they have everything in it except for these cards. But this was a smart way to actually get them printed and hand them out as promos, because I've said this before, Paul. We don't need an errata pack to come out every year or every quarter, like some other games do. We don't need them to make a a five ten fifteen dollar errata card pack. What I would prefer instead is if you're going or if you're gonna errata something like give a unit another health, give a unit. Uh, a different keyword or something like that. If you're gonna change these things that make the cards that we have not really work, make an alt art of that card, update it to be correct, and then put those out in your organized play kits. That's the easiest way I can think because then all someone has to do is go and play at their local store, play in an, uh, an organized event, and then they can get an updated card. And then you're giving yeah. alt art cards out. You're, you're meeting, you're meeting so many quotas all at once. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I I like that way of, of giving stuff out and just keeping, you know, the game going, right? Incentivizing people to come out and play the game.
0: Right. Like I said, it checks so many boxes to do that that way. This is, what they're doing with this is sort of adjacent to that. Because it's, they're printing off these cards and they're just giving them out. Now they're giving them out at Adepticon, so you have to go to Adepticon and you have to be in one of their events. So, I mean, it's not giving it out that freely, but they are just printing these and then giving them out. So, I mean, that's adjacent to what I just said. So, I mean, I'm, so I'm here for this. I think it, I think it looks good.
2: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited that they're giving out some of those cards and, yeah, and not making it, like you said, like gatekeeping. Right. For people.
0: Well, Paul, I think, uh, I think we've, uh, finally gotten to the end of, uh, where we probably have as far as, uh, our show is gonna go today. This is the last episode before Adepticon happens, so this is all of our prep. We're doing all the prep between when you hear us now and the next time when you hear us, which will actually be Adepticon. So what I'm gonna be doing, and I'm, and I'm trying not to, to marry myself to this, but I'm gonna try to do it is I'm going to try and, like, deep vlog this whole journey of, like, the first Adepticon I've been to. So I'm going to be recording just about everything I can. If anything, it's kind of just a challenge for me to see if I can do this for an event. uh, And just see, like, if I can record just about everything. And I'm going to try to compile a video together of everything, of the whole event, and then upload that to... The uh, to like YouTube and then you guys will be able to go through Adepticon with us. But then even if you don't do that, even if I don't do that, next month we are going to come back uh, and we will talk about the whole Adepticon trip at the start of April. So uh, we'll do if you've if you've seen our Gen Con episodes, it's going to be exactly that. It's just going to be with uh, Adepticon. So we're going to start that episode talking about uh, Legion. So the Legion folks, you can you can sit just through that first half of that episode, but then, like, after that, at, at least if it's, like, the first Gen Con episode, Paul, it was, like, the first third of the ep- or, like, fourth of the episode, and then the rest of it was just, in my opinion, more entertaining stuff, but it didn't happen in relation to Legion, so I'm gonna see if that's gonna be the case here, because you and I have a lot of fun games that we're gonna be playing. We've got Arena Rex, we've got Marvel, we've got Lord of the Rings... Or not, uh, you've got Lord of the Rings, and then we've got Game of Thrones, like, it's going to be nuts.
2: Yep, and then we're, uh, of course, all, like, any demos that we play, like, definitely, I mean... Shatterpoint. Shatterpoint. Yeah. Right, like, super excited to play that and get kind of an idea of what that game's going to look like, and I always love just roaming around the vendor hall and just demoing games at Adepticon, because it is... um, It's less daunting than it is to get a demo of a game at like a Gen Con. Just it's much smaller. You can walk around, you get a little more individualized attention. But yet some of the same games that are at places like Gen Con are also at Adepticon. So, again, you can get some more time to, you know, talk to the people who are running the booths or own the games or, you know, like design the games. So you can get some some mm-hmm. more insight from them and, you know, get some extra, you know, time plane or things that you might not at a Gen Con. So um, I'm sure we'll have tons of stuff to, to talk about for sure. But like you said, might not all be Legion related.
0: <laughs> m- most likely will not be. I'm, yeah. I'm planning for
2: it to not be, in fact.
0: <laughs> but, yes, we will um, definitely
2: have some other things. But Yeah,
0: so I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I hope all of you are looking forward to it as well. If we're going to see you at Adepticon, uh, reach out to one of us, message me or Paul, and uh, we'll make sure we meet up. Uh, we'll we'll give you some Dice Time swag. It'll be we're gonna have a grand old time. We're gonna make a whole weekend out of it. It's gonna be a blast. We are going to have a Dice Time at Adepticon. So thank you everybody for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you had a Dice Time listening. Until next time, post Adepticon. I'm Ben Jetro I'm Paul Watson. Go out and make today even better. Have a good night.